which you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and that which you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. The eight things that Christ told Peter. Welcome to Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. And today I want to speak from simply the subject of the eight things that Christ told Peter. And how those very same eight things that Jesus told Peter... Jesus tells us and how they relate to our lives and what we have to do and what Christ has told and promised us. And the verses today, they come from the book of Matthew. They're very familiar passages of scripture. You've heard this many times before. And it begins Matthew, the 16th chapter with a 13th verse, the New King James Version. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. Jesus told Peter eight things, and these eight things, they apply to you. First, he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Now, I want you to not say to your neighbor, I want you to say to yourself and put your name in that. Said, blessed am I, Nathaniel Bronner. You put your name in that because you are blessed. Now, I have an accountability partner and I have to submit a form every day with the stuff I'm supposed to do. And I have it checked off, either yes or no, or whether it is specific or the amount or whatever. But one of the things that I have to fill out, I have to fill out five things that I am blessed and thankful for every day. And it makes a difference between whether you are focused on what you are blessed about or focused on what you are depressed about. I think really, unless it is physiological or biological, I think that's one of the major reasons for depression because folk are focused on what they're missing and they focused on all this negative stuff. 
If you just write down five things that you are blessed with every single day, you start, first of all, looking for stuff and you find so many even small things that you are blessed with and that you have and you won't get depressed when you focused on what you're blessed with. But if you focused on what you are missing with, depression comes from lack of focusing on your blessings. So number one, he told him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. So I have to tell me every single day and I write it down specifically what I'm blessed with. Blessed am I, Nathaniel Bronner. Second thing that Jesus told Peter, told him that he was hearing from God. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Corinthians 2.14 says this, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Do you know God is speaking to you? Now, I just came back from Tampa. I actually go there every three or four months because I go to the dentist there. And also my in-laws are there. But I took a friend with me this time and we made flight reservations. And I made the reservations about a month before. And normally, you know, hotel checkout time is around 11 o'clock. So you want to get a flight one, one o'clock in the afternoon. But God says, I don't want you to take that one o'clock flight. I want you to take the 435 flight. I'm saying, well, I need to take a flight that late for. I got five hours between the time we check out and then the time of the flight. Why need to take it that late? But I've learned not to question God. And I told the gentleman who was flying with me, I said, look, Rev, uh, God, for some reason, is telling me to take the 435 flight. So we're going to get back a little bit later. And I don't understand why, but I've learned through experience to listen to the voice of God. So we got to the airport pretty early. We got to the airport probably 1.30. We didn't need to get there until 2.30. The flight was 30 minutes delayed when we took off. And normally I can go to the Delta Sky Lounge if I'm that early. But this time I couldn't go there because there's a big line of folk trying to get in. And I asked the hostess, why this big line? Well, since we've had a lot of delays and flight cancellations, so the lounge is crowded, so you have to wait till one come out and then one can go in. I said, well, I'm not even going to fool with that. I just waited the gate. Finally got on the plane. The plane was absolutely packed. I said, normally you have a seat or two left. There were no seats left. So the gentleman who sat next to me in the middle, he said, oh, I'm glad to get on this plane. Oh, I'm glad to get on this plane. I said, well, why are you so glad to get on the plane? He said, man, I've been here since before 9 o'clock this morning. My flight was supposed to leave at 9 o'clock this morning, and every flight has been canceled but this one. And I said, oh, that's why God told me not to take those earlier flights. So the fellow I was flying with me, he was sitting across there. I said, that's why God told me a month ago not to take that earlier flight. And then the fellow who was sitting in the middle heard me. And he said, you had some spiritual direction not to take. I said, yeah, that's why I didn't get the murder. He said, man, he said, next time before I get, I'm going to ask God. I'm going to ask Jesus. And I'm going to ask the Holy Ghost. Because I've been here all day long. So it's just. As Jesus told Peter, you're hearing 
from God. And so many of you, you're hearing from God. Third thing that Jesus told Peter, he told him his name. And I also say to you that you are Peter. Now, some versions will have in parentheses after that. And Peter means rock or Petros, as it was in the original language. But, do you know, every one of my children, God spoke their name. My son, who is on the keyboard here, Christian. When Christian was a hump in my wife's belly, God spoke. His name shall be Christian. And the one comes after that shall be George. Now, you all know the story about it. But every single one of my sons, it was God who spoke the name. My second son, Josie's, I remember I was sitting right over there in a revival. My brother, Bishop Dale, was actually preaching the revival. And I hear God speak. The name of the son who is in the womb is the same name as the verse he is preaching from. I looked up that verse and it was Josie's, the brother of Jesus. Now, my first son is, of course, named after me that my daddy named. So I followed the lineage of the legacy. But every single name of my children was spoken by God. And for those of you who have yet to have children, Don't just go picking some exotic, funny sounding name. (laughs) Ask God, what do you want my child to be called? Because within that is a destiny. So ask God, what shall I call this child? So Jesus told him his name and he told him what his name meant. That was number four. On this rock, Petros, on this rock. Do you know what your name means? And if you don't, you need to look it up. That's why it's important. See, that was really the first job in the Bible. The first job in the Bible Adam had was naming things. And even when we're developing products, we understand one of the most important things about the product is the name of the product. You are a product. So your most important thing is your name. Don't you fool around and give your child some crazy name. You don't know what it means. Nobody else knows what it means. It just sounds real crazy. So you need to be real careful about what you call things, including what you call you. So Jesus said, your name is Petros. It means rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church. See, I know what my name means. Nathaniel, Nathan means gift or given, and L means God. So my name means given or gift of God. And that's what I try to be everywhere I go. I want to be a gift. I want to be a gift from God. I want to be a blessing everywhere I go. Bronze means actually dwellers by the springs. And that's why I live on water right now. And I'm always going to live on water. My name tells me I ought to be on the water. And sometimes you need to know just what your name means. And it is important what you are called. Number five, Jesus told him what he would do. And on this rock and on you, I am going to build my church. If you ask God, if you ask the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we even choose what we're going to do based on a fad or based on what everybody else is doing or based on something we saw on YouTube or based on something that we read. You need to ask God what you ought to be doing. The first job, God assigned it. 
You shall name things. The first job, God told Adam what he ought to be doing. Have you ever asked God what you ought to be doing? I mean, it's good to go to a career counselor. That's good. But you need to go in your prayer closet and ask the ultimate counselor, what should I be doing? And sometimes it's even more important to know what should I not be doing? Because you will spend more time at your job than anything else. You need to be in a divine order with that thing. And you know, the number one suicide profession. Now, if I ask people, what's the number one prestige job in where? Everybody says, I'm going to be a doctor. Be a doctor. Be a doctor. There's nothing wrong with being a doctor. But do you know that's the number one profession for suicide? More doctors kill themselves per capita than any other profession. Yet it's the number one profession. They make good money. And I can guarantee you the doctors that put a gun to their head or put a needle in their vein and kill themselves, I can guarantee you they're not in the profession God ordained for them. Even though they may be good doctors, even though they may be making a ton of money, and I can guarantee you they didn't ask God, what should I do? And what should I be? And where should I go? They never Ask God. Number six, Jesus told Peter that he would stand against external forces. And the gates of Hades, and for those of you all that don't know exactly what Hades means, that's hell. Because some of you all, even in the world right now, you're catching a little bit of Hades. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail Against it. Isaiah 54, 17 says this. It's the verse we've all quoted sometimes. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That means not even the gates of hell. No demonic. And that's why you will never hear me talking about what Satan has done in my life. Never. Not once have I ever said what the devil has done in my life. The devil has no power over me unless I give him power. See, I preached a sermon years ago and the whole sermon was just on Dracula. Because Dracula has a lot of truth in it. Dracula cannot come into your house unless you invite Dracula in. You got to tell Dracula, come on in. Satan cannot wreck your world Unless you allow Satan to wreck. And the only reason Satan can wreck my world is if God allows it. Even with Job, God had to give Satan permission. And most of the stuff that was done against Job, God did it himself when you really study it carefully. So you'll never hear me talking about what the devil has done or demons have done in my world. No, no, no. They can't bother me. I got angelic protection. The only way Satan can mess with me is I let down the hedges. I step out of God's will. I start doing some stuff and tell Dracula to come on in. You will never hear me talk about what the devil has done because now you're giving the devil more credit than you're giving God. He has no power and the gates of hell shall not Prevail. And it didn't say there would be no weapon for them. All folk would come against you. It says won't prosper. Two different things. So nothing that comes against me outside of the will of God is going to prosper. If anything, I'm not worried about folk outside bothering me. I'm worried about me not being in the will of God bothering me. 
that's 99.9% of most folks' problem is not external. They're somewhere or with somebody they weren't supposed to be in the first place. They weren't supposed to be at that job in the first place. And God gave them an infant, a warning in the first place not to go there. I go all over the world. I walk places, go places, just don't be worried about a thing. But some places I've been out here, God said, don't go down that street. And I look down, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see a thing wrong with it. <laughs> look pretty safe to me. You look like all the other streets. Don't go down that street. Some fools will say, let me see what's down this street. <laughs> I've learned just like I learned about that flight. Made no sense why I needed to take the 435. Made no sense. And if I had taken a two o'clock flight, I probably wouldn't even been on the 435 flight because it was full. So I may have still been in Tampa right now because I didn't. And sometimes God will tell you, don't go down that street. Don't go with this person. Get out of that relationship. Don't go to this job. Don't buy that car. Don't buy that house. God will sometimes tell you some things and whisper it in your ear. And see, when you go down that street, now you're walking into Dracula's house. See, not only can Dracula not come into your house without your permission, some of us go to Dracula's house. We walk into the house of the demon, to the house of the demonic, to the house of somebody possessed. And God has told you plain as day, don't go there. And then when we walk in there, now we're talking about what the devil has done. Devil didn't do that. That was you. You didn't follow what God told you to do. And you paid the price for it. It's just simple as that. So, so look, the gates of hell shall not prevail against him. Number seven, Jesus told Peter what he would give him. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus did not tell him what those keys were. At least he didn't tell us in the Bible. But God will tell you and God will give you some keys that will open some things that are locked. He'll open some blessings. He'll open some pathways. He'll open some knowledge. And sometimes it can just be a key of knowledge. While I was sitting there and, and I was sitting there with Pastor James and God just spoke. He said, look, part of the stuff that you all are doing with your digital ministry, you all going to have to figure it out. The other folk can't figure it. So it was a key. And see, it wasn't a key that told me how to do it, but it was a key that told me who wasn't going to do it. And see, sometimes God doesn't have to tell you who to marry. He just needs to tell you who not to marry. All he got to do is tell you, don't go down that street. So what God spoke, he said, look, they are not going to be able to figure this out. That means it's got to come through another path, through another channel. It's got to come another way. So just even that was a key. And it wasn't even a key that told me what was. It was a key that told me what what. But that's a key. See, if you just know what not to do, it helps you tremendously. You see, your diet would be straight if you just didn't eat what you weren't supposed to eat. <laughs> yeah, your diet would be straight. And see, many of us right now, it's not the problem we're trying to figure out what I need. You already know what y'all not to be. Every time I deviate and get something in my body, I knew before I ate it. I know I wasn't supposed to eat that stuff, but it wasn't a question about that. I had a candy bar. I bought two candy bars. I knew I shouldn't. Now, they were very low sugar, but that didn't matter. <laughs> 
there were these special low sugar candy bars, but I knew I didn't need any candy bar no matter how much sugar was in. And I bought two of them. And I said, Lord, I knew I shouldn't have bought these two because I know if I buy two, I'm going to eat two. But I said, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong. Be strong. <laughs> and sure enough, I ate one of the bars. I put the bar up on the shelf in my room at home. And I said, I'm not going to touch this. So I left it there. When I got home late last night and I saw that can, I was like, oh my goodness. And I ate it. <laughs> Don't go down that road. So even though it was delayed, I knew I shouldn't have bought it in the first place. So Jesus will give you these keys. And remember, a key has dual purposes. A key both unlocks and locks. And see, all we think about is just key to unlock some stuff. Uh-uh. The key locks some stuff. The key both keeps us from stuff we have no business with and it unlocks stuff we are supposed to have. So the keys to the kingdom of heaven, there is a dual purpose. Even with God's laws, he had 613 laws. 365 of those laws locked stuff. They were things that you were not supposed to do. So most of the laws of God were actually locking stuff, not unlocking stuff. So the keys that he has given you, God has given many of you keys. He has told you, don't go down that street. That's a key that locks stuff. And when you don't go down the streets that God has told you not to go down, then he'll give you the key to unlock stuff. And finally, number eight, Jesus told Peter what he would do with what Jesus would give him. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now that's a, that's a deep verse. But here Jesus is telling Peter, whatever you lock on earth is going to be locked in heaven. And whatever you unlock on earth is going to be unlocked in heaven. When I read that book of Enoch, And it talked about the 12 gates in heaven. And it says, out of four poor blessings and out of eight poor curses. And many of us never think that curses may be coming out of heaven. And there are only two books that are really externally referenced in the Bible, the book of Jashar and the book of Enoch. So I read both of them. And it explained those 12 gates. And I always wondered, Lord, why in Deuteronomy do you have three times as many curses enumerated as you do blessings? Because there's more curses coming out of heaven than blessings. And we don't normally think that. But when you look around in the earth, that's what you will see. And you have to be on that blessing end. So whatever you lock on earth is locked in the heavens. And whatever you unlock on earth is unlocked in the heavens. And remember the first thing you know, you are blessed. So you got to, first of all, unlock even your blessing with your mouth. Because a lot of, we just curse our words with just what we say. We really do. And uh, I am so blessed. It's just, oh my, whew, whew. I have to ask God, look, what I do to just be blessed like this? what I do? How come I'm so blessed? And every, you know, I haven't heard a person hacking or coughing out there at all. You know how many folk in the hospital right now? It's packed full. Not one. (laughs) I hadn't heard one of that. You are so blessed. And the ark is not handicap accessible. So you got to come up with some steps to get in the ark. So you couldn't even get in if you can't have walk. So you are blessed beyond measure. 
Our money has been doing excellent, and our money could not be doing excellent unless y'all doing excellent. You got some money from somewhere. So you bless. So all of this stuff is just blessed beyond measure. But when you open up those blessings on earth, you open them up in heaven. And I don't want anything to do with them eight other doors. But they there. And curses are coming out of them. And we often unlock those curses because we cursing stuff here on earth. And you're just calling them curses. You're just calling them out. You need to start writing down every single day some things that you are thankful for. Some blessings that you have. Start calling the blessings. See, what you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. So if you're talking all of this negative, cursed stuff, oh, my husband, that rascal just ain't no good. And I can hear St. Peter up in heaven. All right, they just called it, uh, give me some no good husband curses. <laughs> Open that door. Give yeah, yeah. Oh, you got plenty of excess inventory. All right. Give me some of that no good husband curses. Open one of these curse doors and pull it out because they've already unlocked it. That which you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven, and that which you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So these eight things Jesus told Peter, they apply to us. And it began with, you're blessed. And it ended with what you bind and loose, what you lock and unlock on earth. So I don't want anything to do with those eight cursed gates. Nothing. But I got to lock them eight gates and unlock those four blessing gates. And you do that with how you think And how you think begins with how you speak. And how you speak begins with, number one, who you reverence. When you realize that God Almighty is my father and loves me and gave his son for me, how can anything go wrong in life if I already am saved and I'm already protected throughout eternity? Regardless of what happens in this little short span of time, I got to see all of this. And when I begin to speak it, it starts unlocking those four blessing gates in heaven. And he can pour it out. Stop calling your body bad. Oh, I got this old big old behind. This ain't worth a quarter. <laughs> do we have any extra big behind curses in the storeroom? We do. It's overloaded. It's big. All right. Open one of these cursing gates. Pour it out on them because they called for it. They've loosed it. So you'll be surprised when you loose the good stuff. Those four gates. And just think of it in that manner. What am I unlocking in heaven? Because Jesus told you, whatever you lock on earth will be locked in heaven. Whatever you unlock on earth will be unlocked in heaven. I'm giving you the keys. I'm giving you the keys. Or what are you going to do with your keys? You can lock it or unlock it. You can lock up the good and you can lock up the bad. You can unlock the good and you can unlock the bad. You have the keys in your hand and in your mouth and in your mind. The eight things that Jesus told Peter apply to you.
I thank you for joining us today here at Brothers of the Word. You can go to brothersoftheword.com. You can listen to this message all over again or send it to a friend absolutely free. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word because, brother, you need the Word. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled The Eight Things That Christ Told Peter by Nathaniel Bronner. This message is number 5985. That's 5985. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 5985 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to IWantToGive.com. That's IWantToGive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Oh,